Hey friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process podcast. We've been married 15 years, 14 good ones, and we have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was four and I'm currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and corporate training team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day. And we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. <laughs> hey friends, it's good to be with you. All right, a couple things I wanna share. Two things actually that I wanna share. One, we have some go groups starting in January. So these are like groups of people that are getting together. There's one that's focused on individuals and then one that's focused on professionals. So if you like work in a profession, this is a great one, like business leaders. That's a great one to join. Those are awesome. Those are from people all across the country, get together and network together and learn and grow together. So that is great. They take our one mission mindset course. We also have corporate training opportunities for one mission mindset happening also in January. So that's more if you lead a team, then your team can go through one mission mindset together. You get one-on-one or I guess group on one. (laughs) So that works one to many coaching with John and Jeff, and you get some online training, some videos, and it's really, they've been really great. The testimonials that we've been hearing from those have been legit. So if you have questions about that, please reach out. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) All right. We have a guest with us today, you guys. And it's so much fun because this is our first time having a guest return. Oh, Joshua Brown. Say hi. Hey, how are you guys doing out there? I'm glad to be here. And it's the first time I've heard this. So I'm honored (laughs) to be the first of something, you know, it's it's really I follow you guys all the time. Yeah, no, go ahead. I follow you guys all the time and I always look forward to it. I find myself all the time saying, let's go. And then it's like, hey, I know where that came from. So it's such a pleasure to be here. That's awesome. Let's go. Okay, so we had Joshua on with us and he was advertising his book before his book came out. So now your book, Prison to Purpose, it is out in the world. How's the feedback been? Oh man, it's been amazing. Like I said, it was my first book. And I never really thought that people would support me the way they did. Mm -hmm. And people really came out. Um, My job here in in Rochester, New York, had a weekend where like seven or eight people just bought it just by word of mouth. And it was like, man, this is really a message that people want to hear. I really wrote it for healing when I was incarcerated. So now to see in that it helps other people is such an amazing experience. I think the, the one the one story that sticks out to me, I had a therapist write me and then send a picture about how she uses some elements that I put in my book to help in her therapies. And I was like, it, it, it's, it's there. It works. So I'm very honored to have finished it and now honored that people really are enjoying the book. That's, That's awesome. so cool. Okay, so I was just looking on uh, Amazon. So you guys, we need your help because he only has two reviews on Amazon. The more reviews we give, then the more people will see it, the more it will advertise on Amazon. So let's do a little call to action right now. Go buy the book, Prison to Purpose by Joshua Brown. You will get to hear his story and it will impact your life. It's amazing. And then go leave a review with a picture. It does even better. 
Let's go. I'm looking. I'm looking it up right now to make a review. That's why. I'm <laughs> about that action. Yeah. So, Josh, you know what? You know what I'm excited about. While I while I get this this this, this another five star review coming your way <laughs> is a. Uh, you know what I'm excited about is is I'm excited about uh, your journey. You know, and so offline we talk a little bit. Our podcast, as Adrian talks about, is like we're going out to coffee, and um, you know it's intentional uh, for us for you that you're the first uh, return guest because we believe so much in the power of redemption. We meet, believe so much in the power of second chance. We believe so much in the idea that regardless of the past, the future is spotless. And, and if we can make a mindset shift, whether it's, it's uh, generational poverty, or if it's generational addiction, or if it's generational incarceration, generational, whatever it is, like the you know, fatherlessness, right? And, you know, like that we can make a change. And, but, you know, what really gave me tingles is when we were talking uh, before we got on this podcast about your journey to New York. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because this is love the process in its purest form. Is is it people a CEO asked me one time, he said, he said, so what do you sell? What do you what do you sell? I said, we sell courage. Mm. We sell courage. And courage is is the ability to take action in spite of fear, in spite of worry, in spite of uncertainty in spite of a lack of resources, you know, in spite of a lack of a popular opinion, it's the ability to take actions that are in alignment with your integrity, who you are. And you made a big move recently. You want to tell uh, our listeners about it? Yeah, the last time we were on here, I was actually living in West Virginia. I was very comfortable. Um, I was where I was somewhere where I spent the most of my life at. And I have a 10-year-old son who I love dearly. And he, I tell people all the time, he's got more frequent flyer miles than me and his mom put together because he would just fly back and forth. We would pick him up at the airport and he loved it. And one day I was taking him to the airport and he's walking through, you know, he's, you know, lackadaisical, you know, not in the best mood. And I asked him what's wrong. And he goes, well, I always want you to move to Rochester, but you never give me a good answer. And I was like, you know, well, mom's here, daddy's here. We come together. We love, we love each other in a way for you. And um, so he just started crying and felt bad. And that was the first time I, I had cried since I've been out of prison, you know, like I had, I wasn't, I've never been a big emotional guy. And then this woman came up to me and she's seen everything. And she said, do you mind if I sit with your son on the plane? She, you know, we talked for a little bit and I was like, well, the flight attendant does, but if you, you know, would like to, you can sit on the other side, make him feel comfortable. He called me, he called me on his phone on um, FaceTime while they got on a plane. And then it just started to weigh on me. And then he just started having some emotional, you know, problems and kept voicing. He wants his father. He wants his father. And I just said, you know, I grew up without my biological father. And I said that I would never do that to my child. So I literally was a supervisor at a job making a lot of money, a lot of money for, you know, my past and to walk into that. And I literally dropped everything. 
I dropped my job. I dropped, you know, the, I had free rent, everything. And I just, I took a loan out. I accepted a part-time job at Dick's making $15 an hour. And in two weeks, I picked up everything and I just left. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a strategy. I didn't, I didn't even have a place. Matter of fact, I didn't even say this to you before. I stayed in the Airbnb for two days until I got a place. And then the place that I was supposed to get that day told me that they mixed up the moving date. So I had to stay at Airbnb another day. And it was just like, you know what? But in my mind, I knew that I was doing the right thing. And sometimes you just got to step out on faith and trust the process mm -hmm. and not necessarily trust whatever it is you want in life. Because some things that we get in life are, are, are going to have to come with a chance. You're going to have to push. You're going to have to go places you've never gone, trust people you never trusted, learn things that you never had a desire to trust. But once I just said, hey, it's about Josh Senior, I'm Junior and not Josh Senior. And I just went, I just jumped, I just pushed out on faith. Everything became what it was desired to be because I really felt I was desired to be here. Um, I was purposed to be here, but I had to make the initial, the initial move to just jump. And I jumped and I'm here and I love every bit of it. And I'm so excited I made that move for my child. That's awesome. You know, um, that is, uh, I too grew up without uh, my biological dad and, and uh, was raised by my aunt and uncle from the age of seven. Uh, they were awarded custody, but they were really in my life, you know, from the jump, uh, seeing the need. And, and so uh, I just, uh, I really believe that this um, fatherless generation in some ways, you know, is, is, is such an opportunity uh, for um, a call to action, you know, for, for anybody who's on this call, who, who feels disconnected in any way, shape, or form from their son or from their dad. Uh, you know, I had to reach actually back out to my dad when I was 29. I still remember it. I still remember the call. Uh, I remember the script. You know, I practiced it like 10,000 times because I had just, I got to a spot where I was in that cry myself to sleep, you know, mode of like, life's not fair. I'm an only child. Nobody, everybody's got brothers and sisters and, and my dad's not here and this and that. And I got to a place where um, I just told him to screw himself and, uh, and I just, I cut it all off. And, and uh, when I was 29, a little over 20 years later, I called him on a Saturday and I asked him for forgiveness for being closed minded to the idea we could ever have a father son relationship and, and not to, you know, not to stereotype in any way, shape or form. Um, but I do think it's that the poorer uh, or less resourced uh, areas, you know, that really have a struggle with this. And it's an information thing. It's a mindset thing. Uh, but it's also, um, it, it's a lack of, of possibility. And you're showing a different possibility to your son now. You're showing, you're breaking the cycle, right, yeah. of fatherlessness, which is, I mean, so when you said from prison to purpose, I'm, I was asking myself, well, wonder what his purpose is going to be. Well, you, you're starting to starting to lean into that. Yeah, and, it's and I, amazing yeah. when 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 I wrote it. The purpose I thought was speaking the schools. The purposes I thought that was going to travel the world, speaking to colleges. But my purpose was to be a better father, because the one thing that I understood when I wrote this book, purpose was going to literally be prom promises. 
was going to hit every single Division I college, every single women's Division I college and make an impact. And I remember my son sitting, you know, on the phone, asking me when I was incarcerated, hey, Danny, when are you coming home? And I wouldn't be able to answer. And mm-hmm. then we would, it would be a full conversation. We have it all the time. Well, uh, tomorrow, no, 100 days, no. After he said 100 days, he would stop. But I never knew that when I was writing this book mm-hmm. in prison, I was writing about the purpose to move to Rochester and be there for my son every single day. And I know that I know that the move was necessary and I know that I did the right thing because I just I just went to Florida Tech University last mm-hmm. week to go speak to um, their athletic department. And I told my son, I was like, listen, I'm leaving town. You're going to stay with mommy for a couple of days. I'll be back. And he says to me, he was like, you leaving again? And I was like, yeah, buddy. He was like, and I call him buddy. He goes, I've already lost my dad long enough. So like, he still feels the pain of a decision I made in 2014. It's just that some things are going to take time. Some things is going to take more love than you think to heal. Because even though I'm physically healed here, he's still hurting from not having me for those three years because he can't see the past that old dad's here. He sees old dad was gone. So every time that I leave to hit the road, I know that he's kind of worried, kind of scared that I'm not coming back. So I finally understand that when I talked to you before, prison to purpose was something else. Prison to purpose is now fulfilling my purpose and being a full-time dad. (laughs) Hey, we can stop right now. (laughs) Top five podcast. So good. (laughs) I'm sitting here, you know, I got a couple couple copies of your book coming. I want one autograph. So don't you worry, we'll get somebody to send that out to your way, baby. But on Friday, once it gets here, but man, I mean, I mean, I'm inspired, you know, by your integrity to recognize what you're supposed to do, what your mission is. And, and, and I, you know, and I'm encouraged, you know, Josh Jr. Right. Yeah. Josh Jr. I'm encouraged. I mean, can I just want a little, piece of the action like i would just like to just like just bet on him just i just want like you know like just a little bit we'll talk about that <laughs> offline I, I talk to him once a week you know or once every other week for the next eight years uh, you know i can't wait to see what this kid becomes um with a positive father figure in his life and and the doors that are being opened for you to work with colleges universities and young people i mean because there's no question that we talked about, uh, you and I both have uh, high school football coaching, yeah, right, and, and really encouragement coaching, like uh, and and character coaching. So I was speaking with uh, the athletic department uh, at our at a local school here um, that has had better seasons. Okay, I'll just put it yeah. that way. We've had better football seasons. There's no question about it, and the standard is higher than the one that we have delivered on. So they're making some changes. Um, you know, they let the head coach go and, and there's been a number of, of other changes that are coming down. Um, whether that's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. That's not, that's not my decision. It wasn't my decision to make, but the thing that I see consistently in successful programs is they have people in their program whose sole focus is character. Yep. Whose sole focus is character and culture. And that's what you and I have a common bond. You were over in Virginia and I, I've been over here in Bothell area. 
and at Bothell High School, but it's the same idea because kids are dying desperately to see somebody who they can look up to consistently. So I'll tell you a short small story on that. So I, I get off the foot, I get, I have this frustrating meeting that I sit in um, one day and, and I, I'm just frustrated and I'm, I'm asking like, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, what is, what, what can I you know, do? I'm not gonna change anybody's mind in the short term. That's not, I, I don't believe that's gonna happen, but where can I spend my energy? So I go up to the football field and I'd coach U10 girls soccer this year. So I hadn't coached uh, football this year, um, not full time, like it, which it's a totally different world. You walk in and you kind of, you, you know, and you're not on the ride, you know, the difference. And so I go up to the field and it's raining and I'm wearing a sweatshirt and I'm just dripping rain. And I'm feeling like, man, I, I feel like a new man. Like, I feel yeah. like this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And it's dark, it's cold. We're preparing for the, the, the round of 16 teams and, and uh the grind the grind yeah yeah the grind the, the november grind where you want to be you want to <laughs> be still playing you know there's a hundred teams that have already taken their pads away and and we're still we're still practicing and you know that you know that feeling you guys have won a few and so i uh <laughs> i get to this i get to the sideline and I'm, I'm pumping a few kids up and i hear a kid say he's got a funeral to go to the next day and i'm like whoa whoa hey man i don't know i know you man. you say somebody died he said grandma I said, man, I'm sorry to hear that, Malik. And I got his name. He said, it's Malik. And, and I said, I'm sorry to hear that. And he said, uh, I said, so tell me more. He said, yeah, she, she died of like a blood clot. And I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. And then he goes on to say that he'd lost a brother and a sister. Sister to a drive-by when he was 10. And, and I said, Who, who's, who's at home? Mom, right? And dad's out of the picture. And I'm just going, man. And uh, so then to see this kid and to hear a story and to hear what he's got going, I was thinking to myself, I might have to come back and coach again. But like, I just, because you just, it's, it's that kid and those kids, you don't know. Here's what I think is so valuable and important for our listeners to recognize and for me to recognize is like, what's behind the face of a kid and like, what's behind the helmet and what's behind the, the heart on the jersey like what's behind there is sometimes a world of pain and it's a world of difficulty. And I love sports because sports give kids a family, especially football, Yep. especially football. And I, and, and there's other, every other sport it can, is similar. And I think, I think girls softball is really fun. I think it's really fun to watch girls softball because they just get pumped up on it. You know, their, their hearts are on their sleeves. You oh, the out, they're up in front and they're chanting. My my daughter Malibu, when she played for the what was the name of the team? The Pink Butterflies or unicorns. whatever. The Pink Unicorns. unicorns. Okay. <laughs> I mean, she was all in cheering, you know, not a little, just a lot, hit it to the parking lot, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of 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 like softball. Every year during the women's softball, I love that because we're such a team. You know, we watch baseball and it's just like they pitch, they hit like, no, these ladies, these women are up and they're fighting, you know, they're in a battle, but they're still trying to find a way to have fun, but compete the Ooh. same time. Something that most football teams struggle to do. Like we we're in practice and somebody's trying to have fun. You miss three plays and it's like, hey, we're on them. But in softball, it's just like that's what we want them to do. 
So it's just amazing how that that college, women's bat. I mean, women's softball is amazing, and I really love how they can go up and down, but stay straight on the task forward. You know, the, the Chiefs were having some fun on Sunday. Did you see them? Did you see them dancing a little bit on the sideline? And as a Cowboy I mean, fan, I didn't want to see. I, them I, I know. Play. I had to bring them up. I know. I know. That's why I brought it up because, because it's 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 interesting. So, right, it's interesting culture. Yeah. I mean, Jerry, let's talk about the Cowboys for a second then. I love having sports fans on here because we can, <laughs> people who listen, some people who listen are like, oh, they're talking about sports again. I don't get it. And then a bunch of people are like, man, I love hearing this stuff. But the Cowboys are very interesting because they had Emmett and, and Troy and they won back to back to back. The last team to do that, right? Yep. Go back to back to back. The thing that the quality of that team had was they loved the process. (laughs) We're going to give a plug to the idea of loving the process. They love the process. Okay. And, and Jerry, their owner of the Cowboys, he, he likes the show. He likes what it looks like. He likes the appearance. They got the big stadium. It's a big show. It's a big event. People show up, they show out. They've had a very difficult time in that environment to win again, you know, to win it all. And in big games, I, I just, I just have this sense, like if Jerry could get over Jerry a little bit, that you just hit it. The Cowboys have what they all they need, everything they need. Like I'm, I'm delusional enough actually to think that if Jerry Jones hired me as a GM. And I get a five-year runner. He's going to let me run. You we won one Super Bowl. We will win the Super Bowl. Because we we're definitely a Super Bowl contending team this year. Um, and you can't – I haven't been able to say that in a long time. But the thing is, they, they endured the process. Remember when everybody was mad and got rid of Tony Romo? Yeah. And then Dak stepped in and then, you know, the years and the years and then the injury and then his process – yeah. To come back to be an MVP caliber quarterback, it's just like, man, through the tough times, through the journey, through the injuries as athletes, through the setback as parents, through the failed tests as students, those dark places, there is a process to be had. And if you just fall in love with the process, fall in love in the rebuild, is that you're going to create something greater than it was that you lost. In life, we lose things, doors close, but others come open with better opportunity, better growth, better vision. But it's up to us to say, I need this process. I love this process. I'm going to fight through this process, even on the days that I don't feel like fighting anymore, because at the end of the day, we are enough to win the process. But first, you must take the step. Second, drive through it. And three, just finish. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and clarity and commitment clarity and commitment are so vital right because if we know where we're going and we're committed that's what you said falling in love with the process comes down to that commitment and the clarity and the commitment to where we're the destination the ride like you said i mean edison failed like ten thousand times at the light bulb the wright brothers flew because they were going to fly or they were going to die like they they had five sets of gear in the morning I just heard this today. Five sets of gear ready to go because they're going to crash four times before dinner. Like they, <laughs> like, like they knew. They know. 
we're going but they believed that if that if they could fly if they could they, this this manpower flight idea could happen they could change the world forever and so they were committed and so often again our preferences and 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 how we want it to look and how we want it to happen and how we want it to occur get in the way and that's when i talk about jerry is is the, the, that they're under that issue and and he may or may not recognize it i i, I don't know you know it's um it's a challenge. It's a challenging idea because I think here's what's crazy is I think he wants to win it all. Like I think yeah. he wants to win the Super Bowl, and but so he just, wants it to come through him. Exactly, but the like, the lack of flexibility to the route is, and it's crazy. It's crazy because he has so there's so much influence, and and that organization is 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 such a, a adored brand, you know, mm-hmm. and an adored organization. And it's in such a big stadium and a big stage and they get a lot of energy and they have the guys and, and then moments come and even, and, but Romo, the question I have for you was Romo's failures in critical moments, a product of Tony Romo being a choker, or was it a product of the environment that he was in? I think it's a, the, the product of, of the Dallas Cowboys. I, We've seen since 1997, I you know, um, the 2012 team was 12 and four. Yeah, I think Romo would have won two or three Super Bowls in New England. I I love Romo. We yeah. just we I, I it's cold. That's how I said like I, I don't know what else to say than the Cowboys because like you yeah. just you know that those are always those defining moments where we lose games that we're not supposed to lose and then <laughs> we just don't finish. And you know one thing that I've already said that's been a a, a lack that falls on Jerry for many years is lack of discipline. Right. The right. Patriot way does it the right way every time. Right. And if somebody like Randy Moss, who right. had problems in high school, had problems in college, had problems in NFL, can go right. to the Patriots and have no problems, right? That's culture. It's the standard. You're totally, and you know what? You know, it's crazy because if we go to the Seattle Seahawks, we have Seahawks fans on this call because we're based out of the Seattle area. And uh, love or hate the Seahawks, God bless you. But I will tell you what, I will tell you what, our culture changed in Seattle after we won it all. I don't care what anybody says. Our culture changed in Seattle after we won it all. It changed so sufficiently. Malcolm was the MVP of Super Bowl 48. Okay. Our defensive, our, our, our backer caught, you know, pick or fumble six, I think it was a pick six, and, and had a couple of sacks and had a big day. The MVP was not Russell Wilson. Okay. It was, it was, and, and so Malcolm Smith. And so we end up going the next year. And Russ gets big deal. I mean, big money deal. Okay. And we end up going the next year to the Super Bowl. We are on the one yard line. I was at the NFC title game. I was at Super Bowl 48, 23 rows up. I know organically how the day felt in Super Bowl 48. We were all in East Rutherford, New Jersey, not too far from where you're located. And, and, and everybody who was in that place had one singular mindset. Find a way to beat Peyton Manning in this high-powered offense. Find a way. Just find a way. And, and we won 43 to 8, one of the biggest butt kickings in modern Super Bowl history. Okay. And that's where Love the Process as an idea was even born. Because the idea then was, uh, was win forever. Pete's idea was win forever. So then the next year, we're at the one-yard line. And I know everybody will look at everybody, a bunch of the plays in the set and the other. 
This is my belief in my heart of hearts is that it had become about Russ. And so instead of him and our team being able to check off of a pass play that they aligned for perfectly, by the way, if you pre-snap read it, okay, is to check off that call and run it with Marshawn in any direction. <laughs> check, check. I mean, it, it's that, but you know who would have won the MVP? Russ. Marshawn would have won it if we checked off. Oh, yeah, if he scored, yeah, Marshawn. Right? And so we, we run the play. Now, I, I, Bevel calls it. Pete, Pete's running the show. We also pooped out a football and took a 15-yarder when Doug Baldwin put us up by 10. Okay? We took a 15-yard penalty in that game in the third quarter. In the Super Bowl, we took an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which cost us 15 yards on the ensuing kick. So they had a shorter field. They came down and brought it within three. Okay? And, and instead of... Pete coming up to him like he did Golden Tate the year before and said, we don't do that here. Nothing was said. It's always leadership. It's always leadership. And it's not me saying Pete Carroll's a bad leader or a good leader or he shoulda, coulda, woulda. I'm not shitting on Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's a hell of a coach and he cares deeply about people in that organization and he loves the crap out of those players and it causes us to win a whole lot of football games. Yeah. But the culture, which was bigger than Pete, by the way, the culture is bigger than the head coach. The culture had gotten to a place where we were, we were complacent to the idea that we're just going to win because that's what we do. And yep. then, to your point on New England, they have a saying over there, do your job. That kid saw the play because he prepared the play. A year and a half ago, he's a free agent working at like a car wash. And he got run out to that set to run that play. And as soon as he saw what was happening, he puts his foot in the ground and, and, and he wins the Super Bowl. Tom Brady wasn't the hero. Bill Belichick wasn't the hero. A guy nobody had ever heard of was the hero because he did his job. And that's your point on the standard. And that standard is the standard. And that's why New England people are like, Oh man, I wonder if they're going to be able to win without Tom Brady. Of course, they're going to be able to win without Tom Brady because the standard, it might take them a year or two. Like you said, the rebuild may take them a year or two, but if they continue to hold that standard, well, they'll be it took a year. It took one year, exactly. <laughs> it took one year in a rookie quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that is, is such a microcosm, though, of life. When you have, and this is why I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to hear your story about moving to Rochester, New York, is that, is that I could promise you for me, I will not lower your bar, right? The standard's the standard. You yeah. may choose to lower your bar, but I'm not going to co-sign on the lowering of your bar because I know, it's, I, know what, I know what ensues from lowering of the bar. And I want people around me who are going to be the same way and hold me mutually accountable to the bar. This is the standard. This is what we're here to do. Let's get after it. And then let's go do it again and do it again. And let's not look at our successes. Oh my gosh, look what we did. Or let's not look at the situation we're in. That seems not so, not so favorable as like, Oh man, we're not very good. It's just part of the process. And that's what I love about your story. And I can't wait to see chapter three when we have him back. <laughs> this is such a great journey, man. I mean, the, I mean, I, 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 you know, the book and we want, I said, as soon as you get the book out, let us know. I want to get you back on. You got the book out and, 
Okay, so if you want, okay, so we had him last on on episode 44. So if you want to hear more, go back to episode 44 and you can hear more about Josh before the book was out. But Josh, I want to hear a little bit more about your story now. And so when you do travel to the colleges and you speak, tell, tell us, what do, you, what do you speak about? What's mm. your story? Well, I'm, I want to use um, the, the most recent ones, Florida Tech University. I, I tend to do things called a pain point conversation a week prior. So every conversation that I have is different, but it's structured around my story. And the one that I did this week was called Claim Your Power. And in order to claim your power, you must know who you are. Because knowing who you are gives you that power that you need to claim in every situation. Like I know who I am and I don't have to go back to where I used to be to figure out who I want to be today because I learned while I lived it. I trusted the process. And another thing, a key point that I tell them about claiming your power is that you know who you can want in your life. I'm really big on show me your friends. I'll show you your future. I am so huge on that because I was doing things before I looked at who I was hanging with. I looked at what they wanted to do. I look at what they are doing now and understanding had I not went to prison, had I not grew in prison and came out with a desire, a strategy, um, leverage my mindset, be obedient in my walk, be persistent in what I'm doing and keep evolving, I would have went back to the old me. So I think my favorite one was claiming your power and teaching people how to understand themselves, how to accept the things that they've done in their life, how to be a better friend and teammate. And all of that comes with just just sitting down and and becoming one with you. Claim your power and you'll claim your your opportunities. So I heard you say three things for sure. Claim your power and you'll claim your opportunities. That's good. Could be the title of the podcast. Adrian's. (laughs) Listening with a keen ear. If everybody hadn't noticed, there's a theme to our title. And it's not that we know what it is during or before. Sometimes we get it during. Um, There's three things you said, though, that I want to just kind of reiterate. You said your squad. I call We call that squad goals, right? If if you don't like where you're at in your life, this is the greatest place to look. Because it's easy to make. It's an easy... It's actually a pretty easy fix. Stop giving energy to those folks who aren't helping you level up, who aren't bringing you to the places you want to go. And my uncle used to tell me when I was growing up, Josh, he used to say, show me, uh, or with friends like yours, yeah, show me your friends, show me your future. I love that. But he used to say, with friends like yours, you don't need any enemies, buddy. (laughs) You got got plenty of trouble just with your friends. Friends like yours, you don't need any enemies. Yeah. Man, that could be my tip Tuesday of the the week tomorrow. Do it. And then number two, habits. Forming different habits. Discipline, right? You know, uh, I like a lot of the work that uh, Jocko and, and that crew is doing with extreme ownership. One of the concepts that T-shirts that are out a ton is, is it discipline equals freedom? I think there's more to it than that. I think that's a simple idea that, that you can poke you can poke at and go, I don't know, I don't know about that. 
you know, chicken or the egg. But at the end of the day, discipline and changing your habits changes your outcomes. Nobody can argue with that. Yeah. Nobody can argue with that. You can, you can be unwilling or unable to change your habits and stay stuck for a variety of reasons, mental health, mental wellness, et cetera. Great. But at the end of the day, if we can find ways to help people change their habits, you can change your life. Number three, you said mindset. You had to change your mindset that the mindset that got you in jail will get you back into jail. And so you had to change your mindset. And so that's this constant renewal process. I, I say training isn't something we did. It's something we do. It's a perishable staying ready is a perishable skill, right? I love Will Smith. I say, if you stay ready, yeah, you don't I'm ever have ready. to get ready, right? Russ, when we were winning, he used to really say, separation is in the preparation, right? And, and, and I'm not knocking Russell Wilson, although I, I feel like Jalen Hurts could have led us to the promised land this year uh, on, a, on a lot less of a dollar figure, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was me like three years ago and I wasn't the GM. And, and so it wasn't my call. And uh, I would have pissed off like 80% of the fan base who, you know, including myself <laughs> who had my Russell Wilson Jersey that I'm going to have to watch him play for the stinking giants or whatever. But at the end of the day, there's a way to get to a different destination, to the destination that you want. And that way is, is who it's the, it's the habits. It's the what and the why really, you just said who, what, why. Right. And I love that, Josh. And, and, but you know, you, you believe in God, you believe in like, you have a sense of faith. Is it something that just came to you in a moment when you're sitting in jail? Like, like break that down. Cause so many, so often people are like, I just am not there yet. Cause the qualifying questions we often ask when we're training, you know, people you're talking about the pain point uh, or that you caught the pain point conversation, the claiming of your power. So you have that conversation with them to figure out where the pain is so that you can figure out how to insert the power that can move us through the pain. I ask a qualifying question like, are you good with the results you're getting? Because if you're good with, you know what I mean? Because if you're good with the results you're getting, you, there's no need to change anything. Another one I like to ask is like, do you want to get well? Like, do you, do you want this to get better? Because sometimes people are just good with getting what they're getting because they can't see the idea that they could, they could even change their mindset. And so then they're a victim. I'm unlucky. The cops screwed me. The lawyer effed me. My parents screwed me. The judge. They're blaming everybody. So for you, what was like the moment though, like where you, you just go, I can change the people I hang out with. I can change my habits. I can change my mindset. And then I, I, I can have a possibility of a different outcome. Well, well, first of all, when I got incarcerated, I had all of those feelings. I thought my lawyer let me down. Um, I was mad, you know, at people who I felt like didn't support me. I wanted a reconsider reconsideration. I wanted to get out. So it got to the point to where I had to accept the situation. Mm. I had to accept what it is that I needed to fight through because when I first went in there, I was wrestling with things that were outside of the prison instead of things that were in the prison. And once I got to the point to understand like, okay, 
I'm not getting a reconsideration. Even if things didn't go my way, this is how it is now. And when I just sat there one day and I really just focused in on, okay, accept it. When I accepted the situation, that's when I started to trust the process, love the process, build myself and be more intentional about being a better person. And it because worked. I knew when I accepted, it was like, okay, I'm here. And the bad part was the, the scary part about accepting it was like, okay, you're going to be here for multiple years. So how are you going to, I guess, react to the things that are going to come your way when you get out? So I spent probably like two and a half years becoming a better person, becoming a better Josh, but also planning how I was going to win the battle, the battle of drinking and driving once I got home. Because quite frankly, prior to me going to prison, I never won because I never wanted to. Now I knew that I wanted to win. Now I knew that people were still going to try to get me to do those old things. So I accepted, I processed it, I fell in love with it, and I just executed a plan that I'd put through every single day. Like I said, you never stop training. I never, I never sat there and said, okay, I'm not going to worry about how I'm going to make it today. No, I, I always thought in my head about my freedom. There wasn't a day that went by where I didn't think, okay, you're going to be free one day. There wasn't a day that went by okay, who can I be friends with? It was a constant, I wasn't in battle. It was a constant process of pushing to get to the point when I came home, I was okay. Mm -hmm. So a word that um, I've been kicking around in this space is surrender, right? Like like uh, acceptance, and they may be just cousins or sisters and brother. I mean, the, but like this, this surrender, because to your point, there's a fight, right? There's just a fight that is ensuing in our minds and our hearts that, that we we're fighting the system. We want to put up a fight, you know, whatever, whatever the thing that isn't how we would want it to be. And sometimes it seems, and you, I think you use the word acceptance, but I think I can substitute that you surrender to win. Like you surrender to win, which is a counterintuitive idea. In, in, in our cults, like especially um, we're fighters, right? We, we want to, it's a, it's a natural condition to fight and to be right and to be vindicated. And, and yet you're describing victory through acceptance, which is so passive. Yeah. So um, not the first thing that I think of when I'm faced with difficulties of people or places or institutions. Like I think of the fight, right? Here, here's another way that I look at it. I surrendered to prison because prison gave me an opportunity to be a public speaker. I used to leave prison with the guards to go to high schools, middle schools, placement centers, juvenile um, detention centers to go speak. I, I sat in prison and I wrote letters to myself about what I wanted to do when I got out. So yeah. I was creating a strategy and a plan by surrendering to prison. When I surrendered, I went through the steps that they wanted me to go through and I didn't fight it. It was like, okay, you have this class. Okay, I went. Now, what can I do to get the best out of it? I was in prison with a college degree and a resume and I was sitting in classes on how to write a resume. 
because I surrender. I didn't put myself above or beneath anybody, but I put myself right in the middle of the process. And I said, whatever it is I have to do, I'm going to do. If it's something that I had to uh, learn just over and over again, okay, well, I became an expert at that. Every day was an opportunity to get better. And I just got better. I decided I wasn't going to get by. I was going to get better. I just talked to Florida Tech about that. I surrendered to what one of the darkest places somebody thought would be prison. And when I surrendered to my darkness, that allowed the sunshine to come out of me. I had to, I had to go in there. I had to go in the furnace. I had to go to the fire, but it didn't burn me. It made me brighter. It made me stronger. It made me durable. And it made me Josh Brown Sr., the father which now lives in his purpose. That's awesome. So what's so what's so, so what's next? So we I mean you have your your story. <clears throat> your your story is so powerful and 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 so many kids need to hear your story to gain hope and to gain possibility and to claim their power like what is uh you know what is on the horizon in terms of you're in you're in in new york and so uh, obviously you can you can drive up down that east coast there's a, there's a ton of schools there um both high schools and and uh, colleges, um, but I just think every kid who hears your story is better for it. Like anywhere you go, you're going to you're going to inject a sense of possibility, a sense of the love of the process, a sense of of uh, regardless of the past, the future is spotless. Like because every kid has done something dumb. Yeah. You know, every kid is doing something dumb. You, you know, if you just go to a school and you got a handful of a hundred of them, you know, like 75 of them are doing stupid things that, that they think nobody, you know, they hope nobody will find out about. So like there's power in just the, just the authenticity of, of what you're talking about. So what is next? I mean, if you could um, predict or, or kind of plan out what, you know, what, what might be next for you, other than obviously being the greatest father you can be and 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 improving your opportunities in, in Rochester, what would it be? I, I'm really looking for expanding outside of Rochester. Um, my goal, and I will, be worldwide known to speak in local high schools and colleges and in your respected area. I'm really working on a prom promise tour 2022 through April through June to where I'm just going to travel to high schools and really make them aware of the 0.159 tour, the 0.159 night, the 0.159 promise to where they understand that I'm going to be a kid tonight. I'm going to have fun tonight. And it's still going to be a night to remember. And I don't have to put myself in a situation to drink and drive. Um, that That's the push for 2022 right now. I'm just really just trying to connect and network with people and tell my story and get on as much stages as possible now that COVID is starting to give us a little breathing room because I've kind of been, you know, tied down a little bit just here and there, but I want to be more consistent, more um, relevant in my content and my, my presence to where I can really hit the trail and, and travel full-time speaking to local high schools, colleges, um, middle schools, because I started drinking when I was 12, middle school. People tend to think like, oh man, now this is too much. I'm like, man, this is where it started, you know? So just- I was a middle schooler, okay, last week, you know, in sixth grade, he, they had these little water bottles that, you know, at this, at this kind of get together thing, and he's shotgunning, okay? 
little water bottle and I'm thinking, I wonder if he's done that with something else. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say his name on, on this podcast, but I, you know, that, that kind of kid is like, like, I love that kid, you know? And, and so um, this earning the right to be heard, you know, this earning the right to be heard, the, the greatest formula we talk about at Love the Process and, and uh, maybe you'll be on the, the Africa trip with us, adventure, right? Is, is, that is sounds amazing. When you can get, you can provide them with, provide kids with a sense of adventure um, and create relationships and then, and then speak into their life. You know, I've had kids in high school and, and I've mentored kids for well over a decade now. And, and uh, it's amazing how much better the trajectory of their lives has been compared to, to mine. I was pushed by pain and so many of them were pulled by vision, but I remember I got pulled over one time with some, some high school kids and, and they didn't tell me this, but they'd filled their Gatorade bottle with vodka. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they're, they're drinking the whole way back from the Apple Cup, which is like five hours from here. It's a game over in Pullman. And it's a, it's going to happen this Friday and it'll be here in Seattle. But I get pulled over for running the stop sign at like 2 a.m. because we lost Apple Cup. And I said, if we lose, we're not staying the night in this godforsaken town. And so we drove home. And uh, so we, 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 I get pulled over. And I hadn't heard the story until like a couple years later. And uh, he's with a bunch of high schoolers. He's an adult. And I don't he's think either one of these kids drinks anymore. But yeah, um, and they're they're doing great things. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a, they're high schoolers. I'm like 29, 30, 31. And, uh, and so I'm like a youth leader. And so um, they, uh, <laughs> they end up, uh, you know, just freaking out. And uh, ends up the guy lets me go. But they tell me the story later, and I'm like, I just love the picture of of kids being able to earn you being able to earn the right for kids to to take a different route because they know where you've been or, and you know where they are, and that connectivity point of 12 years old and and because you're right, there are going to be some kids in there that that really relate to that. There's going to be some kids in there that really relate to your. Um, the lack of uh, relationship with your dad there's going to be some kids in there that relate to your you know the grind they just want they just want the success principles they want to stay just hungry you know and there's going to be some kids in there who relate to your sense of responsibility like that that I can do something different with my life you know and 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 that the last one that you really hit on to me is that claiming your power that every kid and every person across the planet seven plus billion strong has innate power that is un that it when unleashed and we accept that possibility and then go after it, it's amazing what happens next. And and man, I can't wait to hear about the the, the prom tour. You know, I focus on outcomes. So I do I, you know, I write down sober driver. You know, I think the, the focus is powerful. Like the, the focus is that the driver, whoever's driving is sober. Uh, whatever ride you get is a sober ride. And get a sober ride. And, um, and I think that's, I think that's, that's powerful. Oprah really understood that Oprah Winfrey really understands the power of, of focus. So, um, I'm going to call it your sober drivers tour, your prom, 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 promise. prom promise, the prom promise, sober driver tour, um, and, and finding ways in the community to rally around that idea. You know, obviously with Uber these days, uh, we have, we have a, at the golf club here, you know, I'm, yeah. on, I'm on the social committee. There's some wives that are like, Hey, yeah, and uh, mostly wives. I'll just stereotype. And so, uh, but they're like, we need a, we need a club account for Uber. 
hundred percent, right? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, make it accessible and make it easy to make the right decision. Mm -hmm. That is a powerful idea, regardless of the choices that we're looking at making. And so if, uh, you know, now if you find you cannot make that decision, that's another conversation that, that needs to happen where uh, you probably got a problem that you need to address, uh, which is I cannot not drink and drive, right? So, so there's levels to it, but I love the sober drivers tour. I'm going to be excited to hear about that. Yeah. And I think like paying attention to the, what's becoming, when you're becoming aware of something, just like you did with your son, he let you know he was disappointed and that helped you become aware of that. Oh, there is still a gap in what I want with my kid and this relationship I want with my kid. So just taking a step and taking an action when you do become aware of some sort of a gap that you've got. Yeah. And, and how long did it take you? Two weeks. Two That's, weeks. What I love. That's what I love. People think it's got to take a long time. No, it doesn't take a long time at all. Matter of fact, the shorter you can you can condense the lead time once you know the right thing to do, the better. I moved up here with a car full of clothes. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's somewhere inside of me, Josh. I, I love that. Like, 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 like I, I was talking to our team earlier today, and I uh, Damon John writes The Power of Broke, right? He wrote a book called The Power of Fubu Founder, Power of Broke. And and I love that idea of, you know, just recently, actually, um, a couple of our team, we met with uh, Glenn Stearns, who was uh, the original undercover billionaire. If you've seen the show, Undercover Billionaire, heard no, of it. I'm going to look it up now. Look it up. Call Undercover okay. Billionaire. And they put you in a 90-day contest. They put him in a 90-day contest with $100 in his pocket. And they put him in Erie, Pennsylvania. He'd never been there. He had a truck. A cell phone with no contacts and a hundred dollar bill and his challenge was to build a one million dollar business in 90 days in 90 days and so when you watch that show and you watch that show i want you to insert yourself into that level of the mindset that glenn had and i'll never forget i'll never forget meeting him for a couple reasons one is he's very kind Right. He's got the heart that you have. He's very kind and he cares and he wants to do good. He deeply wants to do good, which is important to me, to the people that I give time and energy to and the people that I'm going to go spend my time and energy to meet. I, I, I want to meet people who want to do good. Believe it or not, not everybody wants to do good. Oh, of course. Right. So we got we got to We got to vet it out. We got to vet it out. And, and then number two was his was his belief his certainty, his level of certainty in himself. And, and, and that is something that is humbling an idea to me, like that, that total belief in himself that in the middle of nowhere, by himself with a cell phone and a hundred bucks and everybody else is left back home, he could build a million dollar business in 90 days. Like to, to even take that challenge on, you have to have such a certainty and belief in yourself. And even then, you might only build an $850,000 business like he did, okay? But the, two, the three people behind him, one of them built a $5.5 billion business. And I've also seen him speak. And I've been at his conference. And he has a delusional level of certainty 
and that moves mountains. The question, the only question that you'll have after you watch that show is how, where do I want to go? Because you have all it takes. You have everything you need to go wherever you want to go. And it's just going to come down to the increase of certainty in yourself. And that isn't always easy when we've made choices that haven't left us in positions that are, are good. So we have to find a way to drop all that. We have to find a way to just go straight forward and rip off the rearview mirror almost in a lot of cases because regret has slowed way, a man way down more than anything else, right? And now you're with your son, so you have integrity. I can't wait for chapter three. <laughs> That's awesome. Josh, this has been so good. So if you have one thing you want to share with our audience, what would it be? One thing you want them to know. I want them to know that I need their help. I, I believe that I'm in a time and a season now of breakthrough. A time and a season where my voice needs to be heard. I know this now more than ever. Before the uncertainty that you just talked about was all over me. Like I was, I was posting, I was doing things, but then I was, I was so consumed with helping others and just posting. I wasn't helping myself. Mm. And now that I'm to the point of helping myself, I'm confident that if I can step in front of your colleges, your high school athletes or your high school student body, that I'm going to bring value that they're going to be able to take in life and that they're going to be on these calls while we're, while we're gone doing something else or just handing them the torch. So I want everybody to know that I'm going to keep pushing, that I love to keep pushing, and that once you find your purpose, it never leaves you. Because every single day I have to do something that makes me a better speaker, a better mentor, a better person, a better father. So if anybody could connect me on my website at www.joshdbrown.com under the booking session and link with me about coming and speaking to their schools or their programs, because it's time that I'll be released and people hear the message that I have to, to hear because I love the timing. I love the fact that I was in COVID. I love the fact that I was so mad that I can't just go out and do this. I can't go out and do that. And I was one of the stubborn speakers. It's like, man, I don't like Zoom. It's not the same, even though I did some Zooms. But now that we're opening back up, I'm ready to bless other people through my story. And I'm ready to save children's lives that were in the same situation as me. And I'm ready to save children's lives that can help another one make a decision. So you may not be the one drinking, but you can be the one to make a difference. Speak up, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I, and I look at all this as an opportunity. When you look at things, the opportunities, instead of obstacles, the world is yours for the taking. Mm -hmm. If you conquer patience, you can conquer the world. And I've done that. So now, and it's not often that I say this, you know, it, normally I've given somebody, but now I'm saying, telling everybody, I need your help to get into your school so I can make a difference. And your, your children, your, your, your grandparents, your grandchildren, your, your nephew, your niece can be safe and help create a safe environment for everybody involved. That's, That's awesome. awesome. You have a duty, you know, and I love that. You know, what I heard you say is I have a duty to speak with your kids so that, that I can leave an impact. And Josh, I don't talk about this guy very often, but when I was in seventh grade, uh, this guy came in, Skipper Land. And uh, he said, my name is Skipper Land and I'm a handsome man. He's like this middle-aged 50-year-old African-American guy with a bald head. And I'm thinking, he's not that handsome. <laughs> and, but, you know, he left an impact on me because he said, if, he, he says, you know why I say that? 
Because if I don't tell myself that, the world will tell you you're ugly. And from that moment, I looked at myself differently. And if that dude who's 75 years old now hadn't had a passion to, to knock down the door of Skyview Middle School, he took it worldwide and internationally. Like he, I talked to him uh, about the new year and he, and cause I wanted to hear from him. He's an adjunct faculty member at PLU and I work with their football program this off season and, and, uh, and some leadership stuff. And he says, uh, he says, Oh man, he goes, I was just getting started when I was at Skyview middle school. <laughs> so, so I'm like, so, and then I look it up and it, it did. I mean, this thing just went off. And I think that with alcohol sales up 550% right now, and everybody looking for a way to anesthetize themselves from the madness that they perceive to be existing in the world today, there has never, you're not wrong. There's never been a time that Josh Brown Sr. shouldn't come to your school to bring a message of hope, a message of choice, and a message of possibility that will indeed enable and empower people's lives. So I'm, I, they need your help. I love your humility, but I will double down on you. They need you uh, in every school and, and, uh, and, and you're, you're continuing to be a positive influence in your son's life is just the encouragement from my perspective that makes me know that you are a man of integrity and a guy who, who's going to run a race that I can't wait to watch unfold. For sure. Okay, your Instagram, Josh D. Brown SR, Josh D. Brown Sr. And our content manager loves your Instagram. She's giving two thumbs up in the background right now. She <laughs> loves your content. Let you, me say something about that, if you don't mind. When you, when you fall in love with who you are and what you want to do, nothing will stop you. A lot of people are out there, they're, they're shooting to be the next Michael Jordan. They're shooting to be the next LeBron James. They want to be the next Dak Prescott, but they don't want to be the next you, mm. the next person of who you are. And, you know, I say that because she says she loves my content. You know, my 10-year-old son shoots all my films, literally, with an iPhone 12 Plus. <laughs> I edit it. I either wake up early before work and I edit my, my posts, my videos. And when I'm at work, I go in the bathroom and I post them. Or I do everything at night. And what I'm saying to say this is that nothing can stop you from being who you want to be. Nothing can stop you from being great. Nothing can stop you from just winning the little goals if that's all you're worrying about. But if you win enough little goals, it's going to grow and you'll get the goal that you want. But you have to claim your power. You have to know who you are, what you are, where you're going and why you're going. And once you do that, you'll have the, the, the you know, the, the push. Hey, I got to get up at four o'clock this morning. Dad, don't wake me up. I ain't you already recorded. Now I just got to just edit it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I take pride in that because there was a time where I was like, man, I want people even like this. You know, is this enough? But every single day I push to do something and a sacrifice because I found my power. My power is through my post. My power is through my, my speaking, but my job is dicks. And I have to balance the two, but I know the power that's within me to keep fighting to understand that, look, tire can't beat me. Laziness is not wanted. And the desire to push forward is all I need. So I just encourage people to understand that they are enough in the lane that they want to be in. And for any speaker out there, you are perfect for your audience. Mm. Nah, be awesome. you. 
Do not look at other people and say, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. Well, people know the people that need to hear you will hear you, will love you, will like you and follow you. Just be persistently consistent and excellence and everything else shall be added unto you. So good. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. So follow Josh on Instagram, Josh D. Brown SR, Josh D. Brown Sr. Yep, and say your website again. Uh, it's www joshdbrown.com and on there you can purchase my book figure out who i am and you can request a speaking engagement on that website it is all there a one-stop shop one-stop shop so good and the book is prison two number two purpose prison Josh. two yep right the number two <laughs> so good let's go thank you josh we really i mean i i just appreciate your heart mm -hmm. and uh and you're blessing to anybody who it gets around you and I feel uh I feel blessed to have been on this 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 podcast with you. Hey, I appreciate you guys' support. I've followed you ever since the day that I met you. There's not a day go by. I'm not on your page looking and let's go. And that's why I do it sometimes. Like, yeah, I was I was destined to meet these people. Like, you know, it's it's just what we had to do. So I do appreciate you guys as you know, as continued support and allow me to be the first person to come back on the show. I'm honored. Thank you. I love it. So good to see you. Love the update. Let's go. Let's go. Bye, Josh. Bye-bye.